Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I want to speak to you tonight about one baptism and many infillings. One baptism in the Holy Ghost and many infillings. So let's go to Matthew chapter 3 first. In verse 11, which is a verse that really changed my life. I actually got baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire as a result of this, ver- this verse. Back in 1995, you know, some of you know my story. I come out of Sunni Islam, then I got saved. I was in, among the Baptists for a number of years. God bless the Baptists of the Southern kind. But, uh, of course, I never heard anything about baptism in the Holy Spirit. They only talked to me about when I arrived there. They said, you, need, you must be baptized in water. I said, Yes, sir, and I was baptized in water. But many years I sat there and didn't, never heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit until I got very desperate in the year of 1995, especially the second half where I just was crying out to God. I knew that there had to be more. Um, I read the book of Acts. I became a troublemaker among the Baptists because I asked questions. I said, what about... The book of Acts. What about all of this? Because I had supernatural encounters that led me to being saved. You know, for Muslims, supernatural encounters are a big part of the journey. You know, and visions, dreams, the presence of God. I got touched a number of times. And then, of course, in my personal times, I was just, I would experience the the glory of God. And just really be wrecked. Honestly, I didn't even know that I'd I just be weeping, reading the word, just weeping uncontrollably in the presence of the Lord. And I come to church and everybody's like a statue. And that really bothered me. You know, I'm like, I thought to myself, well, do I have, is it only available just you know, in your own personal time? You know, is it it's something that doesn't happen in church? But then it's not the case. You read the book of Acts, you see the move of God in the service. In the upper room, you know. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, one place, waiting on. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, filled all the house where they were sitting, and appeared unto them divided tongues of fire which came and set upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And it was noised abroad, and people came, and, and of course, you know, signs, wonders, miracles taking place. I never saw it in church, so that really frustrated me because that's exactly the reason I walked away from religion, frustration, and just dead formality. And then I come into church, and I find the same thing, dead formality. And I was hungry, and I was reading one day. One morning, I was reading verse 11 here in Matthew chapter 3, where John the Baptist Southern Baptist, I guess, said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he, referring to Jesus, who's coming after me, is mightier than I. And the word there, mighty, is the same word, dunamis, powerful. 
He has more power. He has more dunamis. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the moment I read that, it was like that verse literally just jumped off the page and just grabbed me. It, it was like it just became alive. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like just came right off the page and just, just grabbed a hold of me. And it just shook me. And it just spoke to me. And it just became alive. And it became real. And it was almost like a question that I asked myself. And I thought to myself, and I said, here was what, here was what my response was when they just jumped off the page and grabbed me. It was like there was a response. It demanded that, see, the Word of God, when it becomes a revelation, it becomes alive, it always demands a response. Do you understand me? Always places a demand on you. And then now you have to respond to receive. If you don't respond, then you don't receive. And, and it was like I, I said... I know water baptism and repentance. But what is this baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire? Do I have it? And if you have to ask, you don't. I'll never forget I was doing a meeting, a revival, and people getting touched. And at the end of the service, a lady came up to me and she goes, you know, people, you, know you were talking about the fire, people being touched. You said fire, 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 people falling out, getting touched by the fire of God. And she goes, you know... I felt like a little tingling in my palms. Is that the fire? I said, lady, if you have to ask, it's not. Because if you've been touched by the fire, you'd know it. Everyone around you would know it. And it'd be undeniable. You wouldn't even be asking. You said, man, the fire of God hit me tonight. I felt it go through me like a bolt of lightning. My whole, everything, my whole being was burning. That's what it is. It's not a little tingling in your palms. When you get hit with the fire, you know it. You don't have to ask. When you get hit by a truck, you don't, did I just get hit by a truck? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the difference between being hit by a fly and by a truck. I think a fly just hit me on the forehead. Was that a fly? Okay, you might. But when it's a truck, when you get hit by a Mack truck, something changes. You feel it in your entire being. That's all I got to say. And you don't have to ask. You know you've had an encounter. Hallelujah. <laughs> And then I begin, and then right after this, it was like I was led. I mean, I just knew, because, you know, like I told you, I read, you know, I asked the Baptist, what about the Holy Spirit? He said, well, he helps you understand the Bible. So when you read it, ask the Holy Spirit to help you read your Bible. I said, okay. And that's what I did. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me when I read my Bible, and I read the book of Acts, and he helped me. He helped me realize something is very wrong in the church. And even to this day, that still is the same. All these years later, still the same. Because, you know, I'm trained as an engineer, and to me, the book of Acts is a blueprint. That's God's blueprint for the church. Here's my blueprint. This is my plan. 
All right? And then so you have to take it and you have to build based on the plan. If the word is the rock, the foundation, we are to build the house upon the house of the Lord. The church must also be built on the foundation of the word of God. Amen. And Paul said, I built as a wise master builder based on the word, right? The, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets. And as an apostle, Paul said, as a wise master builder, I have built it according to the pattern. Just like Moses built according to the pattern the Lord gave him. And the Bible says in Exodus, when he, Moses finished the work according to the pattern, the glory of God came and filled the tabernacle. God's glory is always a response <coughs> to us doing things according to his pattern. But when man builds according to their own pattern, man's pattern, then something is wrong. So I looked at the blueprint. I looked at what man built. And if I'm to inspect this thing and rate it, I said, no, fail. Something's missing. Something's got to be fixed. So that frustrated me. And so frustration, sometimes you got to get mad before you get glad. Sometimes you got to get angry before you get hungry. I mean, anger can be a positive response also. Be angry and sin not. So I didn't go and tear the church down. You know, sometimes if you build it wrong, they'll actually make you come and tear it down, re you know, build it right. So I just said, okay, something's not right. Lord, and I begin to cry out because then, it, I mean, that led me to back to the book of Acts chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 4, when Jesus said, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. But wait for the promise of the Father. Everyone say, the promise of the Father. And somebody said, well, what is the promise of the, of the Father? I'm glad you asked. And, and Jesus' answer says, which, the promise of the Father, which, he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water. So, making a reference to really Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. So, just as John baptized with water, which means baptize, baptismo, immerse, submerse, under, place into. Just as John the Baptist baptized you into water, immersed you, submerged you, placed you, dipped you into the water where you were fully wet, because he didn't sprinkle. He was actually baptizing in the river, right? Amen. He wasn't standing by the river going, God bless thee, my son. No, he was baptizing them in the river. Amen. And so in a few days, based on the promise of the Father, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That means you shall be immersed, submerged into, placed into you're going to get soaking wet in the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Have you seen some of these people that set themselves on fire? 
Have you seen? I mean, we've had, we've had people that, in order to protest the government, they would douse themselves with gasoline and set, on, set, set themselves on fire outside the, the Capitol. People do that. Have you, have you ever heard of that? Because they have a purpose. Maybe they believe in their purpose more than some Christians. They have a mission, and they believe in their mission more than Christians. Because we have a mission, and it's impossible for us to fulfill our mission without being set on fire by the Holy Ghost. Like an old revivalist said, Lord, dip me in the kerosene of thy spirit and set me ablaze that I may burn for you. Yeah. Hallelujah. So I just got so desperate. I got so hungry. I began to cry out, God, I want your fire. And I never heard Dr. Rodney Brown pray like that. I didn't even know who the guy was. Remember, I was in a Baptist church. And I said, Lord, because I, because I had revelation. I, I had a word. I had something that spoke to me. I, I knew that I knew I have to have this fire. And I'm sick and tired of sitting in religion because I came out of one. Now I ended up in another one. And I know religion when I see it. So here I am sitting in <laughs> dead religion in a sense. People who claim to be alive but still dead, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, having a form of godliness, denying the power of it, just giving lip service to the Holy Spirit, but never seeing the Holy Spirit move, do anything. And so I begin to cry out. I said, God, I want your fire. I want your fire. And the fire of God fell on me. It really felt like somebody doused me in gasoline, lit a match on the top of my head. It, 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 it hit it, 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 it hit right here, and it went right through. I felt it through my shoulders, my whole body, and all the way down through my, all the way down my legs, my feet, and instantly I was immersed, lit on fire, my whole being burning it, it felt like somebody said what did it feel like it felt like if you could if if you were able to stick your fingers into the power socket if you could take the the plug out and, and touch the live live wire and it felt like like a bolt of lightning hit hit me like 10,000 volt electricity just surging through my body my whole body just burning shaking, trembling under the mighty power of God. I couldn't even stand on my feet. I fell on my knees. I was just shaking. And then out of my belly just began to flow. I was weeping and laughing at the same time and speaking in tongues at the same time. And my, my tongue was on fire. It felt like a bullet. It felt like my t when I was speaking, it wasn't like sha-ba-ba-ba-ba. It was like, like a fire... My, my, like, 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 like my, my mouth, my tongue was like a flamethrower. I felt like flames of fire would come out of my mouth. I was speaking in tongues. And I was just, the fire God was on me. And, and, and after about an hour, I, was, I wasn't asking for more fire. I thought I'm going to die now because I re really felt like my arms, my legs are going to just rip out of my body. It, the, the surge of power was so strong. I felt like my, this physical being cannot take it anymore. And it's true. 
That's why we're going to have to have glorified bodies when we get to heaven because we cannot. I mean, think about this. You get touched here and people go nuts, almost breaking the stage and, and somebody over there flipping over chairs. I mean, that, that's just like a little, little, just a little drop. Imagine if we were in the presence of God in the fullness of the glory of God, your physical body wouldn't even be able to take it. You would not be able to sustain your body would, you know, no flesh shall glory in his presence. This physical fleshly body cannot sustain that kind of power, that kind of surge of the power of God, the surge of the power of God. Hallelujah. Surge of the power of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Surge. Power of God surging through your entire being. So that's why, you know, uh, you, you can get, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, but then, and then when it sort of started to lift a little bit, I felt it on me. It was like just electricity felt like it was running through my whole body. For the next week, I was aware of the presence of God. And uh, I could feel it. I could sense it. And it was just a few days after that. I was in, in a service. At, at this time, I had arrived in Turkey. I had got the call of God. And I had arrived in Turkey to start out in the ministry. So this actually happened in February 96. So I got touched. At the glory of God. I had the encounter with Jesus on November 12, 1995. February, first week, I'm back in Turkey. I'm starting on the ministry. I don't even know what ministry means. I don't even know what ministry is, but I'm going in the ministry. I'm, I'm starting out in the ministry. I'm launching out. So I had this encounter actually happened the week I arrived because I was pressing into the things of God. The next week, I was at a church. I don't know what it was, Baptist. It was, it was started by three missionaries. One was a Korean Pentecostal. So that is like a bit on the legalistic side. One was a Scottish charismatic, a little bit on the flaky side. And one was an American Baptist. So, I mean, imagine three missionaries working together to start a church. So I guess they had, and they had their own disciples. So the church had no identity. It wasn't that many people anyways. They met in a storefront. One of the first churches there started in the capital of Turkey, Ankara. So, um, and they, I guess they had made a decision that they would just keep things a little bit more Baptist. Because, you know, that's kind of the, the lowest denominator in, in the sense. So, so <laughs> the service was pretty... I was excited to be there because I was excited to actually meet Turkish believers, but the service was pretty dead. <laughs> After the service, a Korean missionary lady comes to me and she had heard about what had happened to me it was noised abroad wasn't that many christians and people knew and so um well when it happened to me there was a couple of people in the in the living room with me because i was crying out for the fire and they were looking at me and the fire got fell on me so um the lady said hey would you pray for this girl and the girl was 17 had head covering Muslim girl with the head scarf covering, you know, full, everything, you know, 
covered. So I said, what's wrong with her? And, and she lifted up the scarf, and I could see there was a tumor the size of a lemon on the side of her neck. And again, I have no reference point except reading the Bible. Because I never saw it demonstrated ever, 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 ever in the Baptist church. The only laying on of hands was like a side heart. Oh, Lord, bless my brother. You know, you know, kind of a prayer like that, you know. So I, I didn't have reference point of fire, healed, you know, come out in the name of Jesus. I had no reference point. But I read the word. So I, I had the word. But immediately it was like out of my spirit came this you know I, I i heard it in my spirit you know mark 16 shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so i i'm gonna lay hands on her i've never seen it i've never done it i've never seen it but i'm gonna do it so i reached out to touch the and i asked permission can i touch your neck and pray she just kind of looked at me like this didn't know what to do so I reached out my hand and I touched. Now, I'm feeling just normal. But the moment I reached out my hand and touched the side of her neck, I'm telling you, my whole right arm began to burn like fire. And I felt now what had come in. See, it's one thing to feel the power of God come into you because I had already experienced that. Now I'm feeling that same power. Out of nowhere, it just came. It was like this surge of power like a electric electricity like fire just come right through my arm and i felt it like right, shoot right out of my fingers into her neck and the moment i touched her neck she screamed now this is in the church after the service everybody's having cookies and drinking turkish tea <laughs> we call them biscuits like the little hard biscuits so that every you know it's, it's they're all in the back of the you know back of the church and i'm kind of in the front and the moment I touched her, she screamed, ah! I said, Abi, Abi, which is what you say to an older brother. She goes, you burnt me. I said, what? And I pulled my hand back. I know my arm was burning, but I, she said, you burnt me. I said, well, what do you mean? She, goes, it, she said, it felt like you stuck a hot iron on my neck. When she, when she said that, now the whole power of God's all over me. I mean, I'm feeling it. I'm, I started to like just get all weepy. And, and then out of my belly came these words. Again, I have no reference point. I've never heard it. I've never seen it. Out of my belly came these words. I cursed this tumor in the name of Jesus. Just like Jesus cursed the fig tree. And I put my hand. Now she's weeping. She's crying. We're all crying. And I, my hand is on her neck and she's weeping. I said, I cursed this. And it was almost like I was outside of my body watching this thing happen. I got to take notes. Okay, this, I curse. It, it felt like it. I, I was watching this like I'm watching a movie. I literally was like outside watching this thing happen. It wasn't me. It was just the Holy Ghost. I curse this tumor in the name of Jesus. And that's all I said. I didn't have anything else. And I stepped back and I'm looking at my hand. Thinking, wow. What just happened? And the Korean lady, the missionary lady, took her away. The girl's crying. 
And they left. And I, the whole day, I'm just awestruck. Looking at my hand, because I still feel the surge of, I'm looking for people to put this thing on now. <laughs> Man, this is like a loaded weapon. I, is there anybody else? Maybe I should lay hands on the, the missionary, the Baptist kind. But I mean, you know, I just walked around like this the whole day and just, just worshiped the Lord. And I said, and, and that to me, that literally was the first day of my ministry. Honestly speaking, that was the first time I had an opportunity to actually pray for somebody. First time in my life I laid hands on pray for somebody. So the next day, I get a phone call from the, the Korean lady. You have to come over here right now and help me. I'm in trouble. Like, what? what are you talking about? The girl, the girl. Do you remember the girl that you, 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 you prayed for? I'm like, how can I forget? I'm still think, trying to process it. She goes, you have to come over here right now. She's crying. She's weeping. And I'm in trouble because I, I have to, the, her parents are asking what happened because I told them I was taking her out for ice cream. <laughs> and I brought her to church. I'm like, oh, my God. I said, well, what's the problem? She goes, she's crying. She's weeping. She woke up this morning. The tumor is gone. The tumor is gone. You have to come talk to the parents. I don't have enough Turkish. Now they're asking questions. The father is very angry. Oh, I got an angry Turkish father now. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you have to come over here and talk, talk to them. Okay, I'll come. And I'm like, where are you? And it, I had to take like three buses. I took one. It took me like two, over two hours to get there. And I finally arrived. She's like, where you been? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get here. I had to take three buses. And I got lost. <laughs> I'm here. Come talk to them. So I walked in. There's an angry father. The girl's sitting there crying. She's still crying, shaking under the power of God. And um, there's a mother. There's a father. Are you the one? Am I the one what? They say you prayed for her. I say, yes, I did, sir. What do you mean you prayed for her? What did you do? And I had to just, I had to, let me start. At the age of 12, I, I left Turkey. I went to America. 17, I, had, or, I mean, I'm telling my whole life story. And they're like listening. And, and then... A week ago, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it's in, the, it's in the angel, it's in the Bible. That's what happened. Fire God came on me, electricity, burning, fire. And then yesterday, the Korean woman brought her to me at the church. <laughs> Did you have ice? No, we didn't have ice cream at the church. <laughs> and she lifted the scarf, which would be like terrible. And I saw the tumor, lemon size. I put my hand on it. I cursed it in the name of Jesus. And today it's gone. And that's why she's crying, shaking, trembling. It's the power of God. She's, and I'm speaking, and the power of God begins to fall into place. The mom starts crying. <laughs> The father, the angry father is confused now. He doesn't know if he wants to be angry or happy or sad or what. Because apparently there's been a miracle. 
And the one thing is Muslims, they like to see miracles. I said, sir, it's a miracle. I didn't do it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. The miracle worker, Jesus did it. And he said, the prophet Jesus? I said, yes, you're prophet Jesus, but he's also more than a prophet. And I began to tell him about Jesus. And then right there in the, in the house, we all got on our knees. And I led that mother and father to the Lord. Second day of my ministry. <laughs> One baptism, but then there are many infillings because you realize... And I realized after a little while, like, it's not the same. You want to live like that, but you, you know, life happens. You go here, you're in a bus traveling, you know, you don't feel anything. You're in a crowded bus, no air conditioning, everybody smells. That's back in the 90s, it was like that. You don't feel anything. But you have to understand that there are, there's one baptism, but there are many, many infillings, and you have to continually be filled. It's like, you know, the first time you got your car, they probably gave it to you, you know, maybe with a full tank of gas, but the moment you drove it for a few days, a week or so, now you have to go fill up again. You have to constantly get filled up. You have to constantly get filled up. Amen. So somebody said, well, how do I get filled with the Holy Ghost? How do I get baptized in the Holy Ghost? Well, in Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So isn't that interesting? He's talking about bread. He's talking about fish. He's talking about an egg. I mean, these are like staples of sustenance and food. And then, then he says, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you know, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So you just have to ask. That's all I did. I asked. I asked. But I was desperate. I was seeking I was asking, I was knocking on the door, I was relentless, I mean, I just knew that something had to change in my life. And it wasn't overnight, it was a, a process of about a half a year, really, from the time I just said, I've, I've had enough, I can't do this anymore, because I, it was like a, like almost like a deja vu moment, because I was 16 in Islam, and I said, I can't do this anymore, and then now years later, I find myself in the same position. Now I'm 25 saying, I can't do this anymore. There has to be something more. And then the Lord called me in the ministry. And then at the age of 26, I started out in my ministry. Didn't have Bible school, didn't have licensing, didn't have ordination. I just had a call. I just had a call and I knew that I knew I had to go. I mean... 
it was a process. It wasn't something that was overnight. It was confirmed. I knew that I had to go. And even when I went, I actually, when I first went to Turkey, I mean, I had other, other ideas. There was other things, business opportunities, other things. You know, maybe I have to, you know, I still have to provide for myself. I left everything, you know. But within a month or so, I knew that all of that, I just had to put it on, on the shelf. And I just had to, to follow the Lord. Because, you know, you can still make up your own plans and try to add something. But that has to also get burnt out of you. And a lot of people, you know, they'll try to add their own thing, but that has to get burned out of you. And I can, I, I can tell you right now, one thing the fire of God did was just burnt out everything, everything that was not of God. And I knew that I knew, I knew, I knew what I had to do. I knew that I had to go travel, preach the gospel, evangelize. And I did that for two years. That was the time that I got arrested 12 times, you know, beaten and four days in a holding cell and many, many other things, death threats. That was the, that, that was the time. But we distributed 100,000 Bibles throughout Turkey going to 33 provinces. And sometimes some of the craziest places, I don't even know how we ended up there. It was supernatural. It was like Book of Acts. I saw miracles. I saw the police that beat us get healed. I mean, just supernatural deliverance. There was one time... We were on the street preaching and giving out Bibles. I mean, a, there had to be an angel. This old woman came. She looked like she had to be 80 years old. She came. She walked very slowly. She said, young man. I said, yes, ma'am. You're doing a wonderful thing here telling people about God. But you must be going now because bad people are coming. I said, huh? And I turned to the Turkish guy traveling with me. I said, did you hear that? And I turned, she was gone. And I looked, I said, what happened? I mean, she walked very slowly, so it couldn't be like in the blink of an eye. I looked down the street, I looked down, she was gone. And I said to him, I said, I said, I don't know what that was, but I think we must be going, bad people are coming. And we took off and found out that the men in the neighborhood were coming eventually to, to, to beat us, you know. Because, I mean... We got beat quite a number of times. Beaten, bruised. I mean, I was preaching on the street one time and bam, I got hit with a piece of wood on the back of my neck and I was out. I was out cold and they were kicking me. And then I, 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 it had to be the Holy Ghost. I, I woke up and I rolled out of the way and some people came and then I realized, okay, I need to recruit people to watch my back. And I, I, I recruited young people from the church, got them filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, now you're going to come with me when I'm preaching on the street. You're going to be, I want you back to me, praying in tongues, watching my back, because I don't want to get hit in the back of the head with a piece of two by four again. So one of those girls was here a few weeks ago. So she's like, you remember me? She was a college student. Got saved. I recruited her. She said, you remember those days you used to take us out on the streets? I said, yes. How can I forget? And she's in the ministry today. She's got something she's doing with an outreach with uh, um, refugees in Smyrna. Another guy, he's in the ministry in England doing something, working with translation projects. Another girl is in the ministry, married an American missionary so all of them that I recruited are on the ministry today. They were all college students. I was 26, and most of them were 19, 20. 
either they got saved with us doing the ministry or I found them in the church, recruited them. But I had to get them all baptized in the Holy Ghost. I said, because if you're going to hang with me, you got to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and you got to speak in tongues because we're going to pray in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is going to lead us. We're going to end up in some crazy places. Amen. Amen. And then there was a couple of crazy missionaries because most of the missionaries that came were dead. But there were a couple of crazy missionaries that we got, I got connected with. And so we traveled together. One was a, a guy from Switzerland. And the other guy was from Canada. So we traveled together. We got arrested. We got beaten. But we saw so many miracles. And my ministry was formed for in those two years of traveling and just, I mean, completely, radically following the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. If we didn't have a... Listen... I would be dead today if I didn't follow the Holy Ghost. Many, 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 many. I mean, I have story after story after story. I can tell you, I mean, just supernatural stuff. We would pray, and the Lord would lead us. We'd, we'd had, we had a van eventually. We'd travel. We'd go places. And, um, and sometimes hours and hours driving, praying in tongues. Sometimes driving throughout Turkey. Sometimes for eight hours a day, just doing nothing but praying in tongues. And then just praying in tongues, the Lord would tell us where to go. We'd end up on a university campus someplace. And you have to understand the campuses are not open campuses like this. You can't just walk in. They have security checkpoints with police, with machine guns, and you can't even get in there. And, the, and we'd, the Lord would get us in somehow, and we'd end up somewhere in a cafeteria, handing out Bibles, and then we'd have to get in, get out. It was like a... Like a SWAT team or like a, a strike commando team go in like a SEAL team go in boom 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 hit it and get out and then the Lord gave me an idea one day I was praying in tongues the Lord gave me an idea for a survey and the survey was reading habits so we'd have these clipboards with with bags that full of Bibles and had like would have like three four people with me and we dress up and go out on the streets we go to the parks we go to places where people were just hanging out and in turkey there's people everywhere so you don't ever lack for people they're hanging out everywhere so there's like millions of them and they just hang out so we go up to them and we look very we had badges i had badges we i wanted us to look official we had badges with the book book company's name so we started I started a book company uh, so we're representing a book distributor. So we have all these clipboards and bags. We look very official. I wore a tie. I'd go up to them. And I said, hey, uh, we're doing a survey on people's reading habits. Would you take just a minute to answer six questions? And if you, if you answer the questions, we have a gift for you. <laughs> so they said, okay, I like to do Most of them are just sitting there smoking a cigarette with nothing to do. So you just go up to them, you know. So like, okay, yeah, we'd like to do. And so Lord gave me the idea. First question was like, you know, what, what kinds of things do you like to read? You know, newspaper, magazines, fiction, novels, you know, da-da-da. Second question, just dumb questions. How often do you read? You know, once a week, you know, once a day, you know, something like that. Third question, do you like reading spiritual things? Yes, no. Fourth question. Have you ever read any of the 
holy books. The Bible, the Quran, and had a couple of other things in there like the Buddhist book and other things. So just to check, you know, would you like to read the Bible? <laughs> yes, no. By the time it's getting a little late, someone, sometimes they kind of look at us. I don't want to answer that one. Okay, thank you, wonderful. Just take the clipboard, walk away. And then, but I'll tell you what, a lot of people, most of them, more than 50% would check, I'd like to read the Bible. The last question, if you were to be given a free Bible today, would you receive it? If they check yes, you go, thank you for checking yes, wonderful. Well, I do have a free Bible I can give you right now, one right now. And they're like, you mean now? I'm like, yes, now. And people would say, and we would have it in a, in a plastic bag. Well, I don't know if I want people to see. No, I have it in a black plastic bag for you so nobody will see it. So the Lord gave me the idea not just to give them the book because they were scared to, to take it because now they got to walk around with a Bible and people are going to look at them and somebody else might, go, might beat them on the street. You have to understand, this is the 90s Turkey. It was quite different. Now you got people on the street saying we want to have nothing to do with religion, marching. It, it, times are changing. Young people are very hungry. I mean, it's, it's starting to, we're, we're about to see a big harvest come in. And it's already happening, but that, it was rough in those days. So I'd hand them the book, and sometimes they'd look at me. It's okay. You can take it. We have people scared to touch it. And, and, and one, sometimes they say, I'm unclean. I don't know if I'm going to touch this holy book. Well, you know what? We can fix that. Let me tell you how you can become clean. And I'll lead people to the Lord. We had the Roman road, like the script we have, you know, take them through and share with them. And many, many people. I prayed with thousands of people on the street, gave Bibles, 100,000 Bibles like that, one-on-one. -on -one. And can you imagine how many surveys we had to do? I think we did over 1 million surveys. 1 million surveys. One-to-one. -one. I, I personally talked to 1 million people over two years, one-to-one, -one, and the team. Walking sometimes eight hours a day with a backpack full of Bibles. My knees would be, <laughs> my back, everything would be hurting at the end of the day, you know. I'd have to go to the Turkish hammam, you know, like a sauna, to just get my muscles loose. And then, of course, sometimes it's winter in the snow. I did that for two years, going to schools, parks. And on the weekend, I would set up a table on a very crowded, busy street where there were cafes and a lot of uh, private, uh, uh, what they call tutoring places because it's very hard to get into university. So usually starting with 11th and 12th grade, after you know, high school, they always in the evening, they're going to places where they're studying for the exam because it's very, very hard. You know, you got like a million people take the exam and only like 20,000 people get into college every year. So it's very intense. And, and most of the young people will be very stressed out. And there's a lot of pressure from the family. And we start talking, they start breaking down, crying, and just a lot of pressure. I got to get into school. I got to get into university if I'm going to amount to anything. So that whole street would be full of thousands and thousands of young people on the weekends. And I'd set up a table, put books out, you know, fiction, you know, uh, Moby Dick, 
in other things and Shakespeare, and then I have Bibles on there because you have to, you know, camouflage it. <laughs> and I'm selling books. Standing there, I'm selling books. I look like an idiot selling books, you know. And whatever, whatever the price was a loaf of bread was, is how much the book, the Bible would be selling it for. So I'd, I'd sell them so nobody could accuse me of giving them, but most of them we gave away free. But I had a sign selling books because people were selling all kinds of things on the street. People come, they make jewelry at home and sell it. It's like an open bazaar market kind of a thing and people are walking up and down. There's cafes, there's everything. It's like thousands and thousands of people walk by every day and I'd stand there and then I had recruited the people to watch my back because people come and go and then sometimes people see the Bible, kick the table, slap me. I mean all kinds of stuff. You attack people, throw coffee, people throw. One time the guy came up behind me with a bucket of water and doused all my books with water and he started cussing me out because I had the Bible on there you know and I'd be preaching smile at him so you know you guys don't bother me I, I, I can preach anywhere when you can preach there you can preach anywhere so we gave out thousands and thousands of books Years and years later, one, one day, I'm, I'm in, at the church in Istanbul, and a guy comes. He's got a, the blue Bible in his hand, a little paperback Bible. It looks worn out. He comes to me. He goes, you probably would not remember me. I'm like, no. You gave me this Bible 12 years ago. I was sitting at a park. I was depressed. I was contemplating suicide. You came to me with a clipboard, asked me about my reading habits, and you gave me this Bible. I read it. I read it. I believed in Jesus. I have never been to church though. Then I saw you on television. I said, that's the guy that gave me the Bible. And I saw the address. I came to tell you that I believe in Jesus. He'd never been to church. Didn't even know that he could go to church. And there probably was no church. I don't remember what town he's from, but there was no church he could even go to. So the TV program was his church. I had a guy show up at the church. Actually, this is a lady. She said, three nights in a row, I had a dream. Three nights in a row, I had a dream. In the dream, a man in white came to me. He said, I am the way. That's it. Three nights in a row, she had the same dream. A man in white came and said, I am the way. She said, but the fourth night, he came... And he had somebody with him. He said, this is my friend who will show you the way. <laughs> she said, the next day I was flipping through the channels and I saw the man who said, my, my friend. It was my program. I was preaching. And then as she stopped at the channel, I was pointing and I was saying, Jesus is the way. And I'm going to show you the way. <laughs> if you bow your head right now, pray. She goes, so you're the friend. So the man in white is Jesus, right? So she said, I gave my life to Jesus. I prayed with you on the prayer. And then I've been watching you. And I finally got the courage after one year of watching to finally come to church. Because it's a woman. I got the courage after one year to come to church. I mean, I, I have stories. I have stories. This one young man 
comes. So he had been watching, and then he goes, um, I've been coming to church for a year. I said, it's the first time I've seen you. He goes, yeah, I've been coming to the door and turning away. I didn't have the courage to go in. For one year, I've been coming every Sunday, and I never could enter in. But finally today, I have the courage to come. I'm here. One year, the guy came to church every Sunday and did not have the courage to enter in. Because he was a Muslim. Another young man came, answered the altar call. Next Sunday, he shows up with two duffel bags. I said, what are those? He goes, well, I went home. I told my mom. I went to church, and I became a Christian. She packed all my stuff, put it outside the door, changed the lock. When I came, there was a note saying, you're not my son anymore. I don't want to see you. So now where do I go? And you think you're persecuted here. Oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. No, it's not. Please. We had a young lady that wrote to our program, said, I've given my life to Jesus. I watch you on television. So a few months later, I found out. Somebody contacted me saying that, you know, her family stabbed her to death. It was an honor killing the brothers. It was the brothers' responsibility to murder her, to cleanse the family name because she became a Christian. Her own brothers cut her throat. Because they have honor killings, you know, because she shamed the family name by becoming a Christian. How dare you? We're Muslims. You can't become a Christian. I never got to meet her, but one day I will. Wearing the martyr's crown. crown that I don't have. Maybe I will one day, but I'd rather not. I'd rather stay here and lead more people to the Lord, but if the Lord would require my life, I already said, Lord, I'll lay my life down. It doesn't matter. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire is, I know here it's, it's an option. When you go to other countries, it's a necessity. You don't leave home without it. You can't do anything in the ministry without it. So you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, and then you have to stay filled up. You have to stay filled up. And there were times, many, many times, and I know I tell you these stories, but I tell you there were so many times I wanted to quit so many times. I said, I can't do this anymore. You get beaten. You hear stories like the girl that got murdered. You know, it's like, you know, what do you do? You just have to go and get filled up again. Kind of went a different direction tonight, but... What are some hindrances to receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire? It, one of the key ones I've seen is lack of knowledge that it's available or wrong doctrine. Many Christians get cheated out of it because of ignorance or basically religious false doctrine. I know there's a whole group out there that would accuse us 
of being having false doctrine because of what we preach, baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick. They think that we're the crazy ones, but actually they're the ones that are deceived that would propagate false religious doctrine. And that is the number one thing that I've seen people. And of course we have, you know, and, and, I, and we've had people, I've had people that get saved watching our programs. And then of course, you know, they end up in a church with missionaries, Presbyterian, Calvinist, Baptist, whatever, mainly the Calvinists that were very strong when I arrived in Turkey. Most of the missionaries were Calvinists, so a lot of the church had been indoctrinated with Calvinism, which is a cessationist doctrine that miracles have ended, the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, that they're not in operation today, and anybody that does it, anyone that speaks in tongues is of the devil. So people get saved through our programs, and they end up in a church like that, and then they convince them to not watch us anymore. And now the very people that got saved through our ministry, now they don't like us. So lack of knowledge or wrong doctrine is one reason that hinders people from receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Another one is pride, especially religious pride. Another one is not being willing to die to the flesh because the flesh strives against the spirit. So if you can't die to the flesh, you can't receive the Holy Ghost. Another one I've seen is fear. Well, people say, well, I, I want it, but what if I receive, what, what, if, what if I get a demon if you lay hands on me? Or what if, I, what if I get an evil spirit? Well, we just read, if you ask the Father, he will, if you ask your Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit, He'll give you the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give you a snake or a scorpion, he'll give you the Holy Ghost. So fear not. If you ask the Father in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit, he will give you the Holy Spirit. And then the, the fifth thing that I've seen that hinders people from receiving the blockage is the carnal mind. People that are all up in their head. All everything's, you know, they're analytical. They analyze everything. They're all up in their head. And then they try to think through everything and, they're trying to figure it out in their head, and that becomes a hindrance to receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, what happens when you receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus didn't say you shall receive tongues, you shall receive power, but speaking in other tongues is a direct manifestation. So we believe in baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So there has to be an evidence. There has to be an evidence. So speaking in other tongues is the evidence. And tongues is the gateway to the supernatural. First and foremost, it's a supernatural means of direct communication with God. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, He who speaks in tongues speaks mysteries unto God. No man understands him. So this is not something that you're not communicating with people. You're communicating directly with God. It's like... A hotline to heaven connects you directly to heaven. Remember in the old days, it was the red phone. You picked up the red phone and you can, the president of the United States had a red phone to speak to the communist leader in Russia or whatever, you know, it was like the red phone, a hotline. So it's like the hotline straight to the throne of God. Amen. 
Secondly, it says you speak mysteries. That word mystery is divine secrets or hidden wisdom. Divine secrets or hidden wisdom. And I can tell you right now, I have built my ministry on speaking in other tongues. If there's one thing, if, you know, going into ministry, so pastor, what do I need to go into ministry? You need to speak and pray in tongues every day. I mean, I have built my entire ministry. I mean, praying in tongues was like my Bible school in a sense. Of course, you have to, still have to go to Bible school. You need, to, you need the word. But I tell you right now, to be led by the Holy Ghost, everything was built out of praying in, in tongues. Everything we did was built out of praying in tongues. We didn't do anything without praying in tongues, sometimes for hours until we had direction. When we had direction, that's what we did. And we did only what we were told to do. Because I knew that if I did something outside of it, I could end up dead. I tell you right now. And so it really helps you kind of fine-tune everything in your life when you, like, you walk a tight rope, you walk a fine line, and you better know that you're doing what the Holy Ghost is leading you to do. And how do I get that? I pray in tongues. Amen. You know. So praying in tongues wasn't something, you know, I did, showed up at the prayer meeting for 15, 20 minutes, prayed in tongues. No, pray in tongues every day. Pray in tongues every day. I mean, on the plane flying here, the guy next to me watched the movie for two hours. I prayed in tongues for two hours. Because you know why? I'm leaving Turkey and I'm coming back to West Palm. It's like a whole different world, man. I mean, I, I got to like, I got to like literally shift gears. I mean, two weeks there and, and then now I'm here. It's like I got to prepare my spirit. I pray in tongues. I pray in tongues. I pray in tongues. Praying tongues. Driving, praying tongues. Taking a shower, praying in tongues. I'm praying in tongues right now. Sometimes I stop, what's the pastor doing? He stopped preaching. I'm praying in tongues, actually. Why? I need to see a breakthrough with the people sitting there. Some of them are just staring at me. Getting a blank stare. The lights are on, but nobody's home. Hello. You speak mysteries. That means... Divine secrets, hidden wisdom. That means hidden wisdom and divine secrets will be revealed to you. The more you pray in tongues, the more divine secrets and hidden wisdom will be revealed to you. Amen. Amen. The third reason to pray in tongues, edifying your spirit. You have to have your spirit edified all the time. The moment your spirit is weak, then you're susceptible to failure, you're susceptible to temptation, you're susceptible to discouragement, you're susceptible to uh, wrong decisions, wrong direction. You have to have your spirit continually edified, built up, strengthened, charged. Amen. Amen. You, got, you have to have your battery charged. So God didn't just give you a connection to power. He actually gave you the power generator. He actually released the power generator in you, the Holy Spirit himself. So the Holy Spirit just didn't just give you power. He came himself. That's what it means to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. The very Holy Ghost that generates the power lives in you. And the moment you start to pray in tongues, you connect with the Holy Ghost and he starts to generate power. 
That's what dunamis means. It's inherent power. It, it's power, dynamic power, not potential power. It's dynamic power. It's there all the time available like a dynamo. Dynamo generates power. Dunamis, dynamo. Dynamic power. Power generator on the inside of you. Kuraba, rabasta, priandala, labokorabo, bakaralaba. What are you doing? You're generating power. So once you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and power, as Jesus said, you shall receive power. It's not a one-time power download. It's the power generator being installed on the inside of your spirit so that you can continually pray in tongues and generate power. So there's absolutely zero reason for you to lack power once you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. If you lack power, it's your own doing. You're not generating power. And then sometimes you'll be praying in tongues, and then it'll be your prayer language, and then you'll switch over into diverse kinds of tongues, which will require interpretation, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 13. And then you'll interpret your own tongues, because it's almost like sometimes when I'm praying in tongues, I'm hearing what I'm saying in English or Turkish. It's interesting. When I'm in a Turkish service, I hear Turkish. When I'm in English service, I hear English. If I heard French, I wouldn't really know what it is. If I heard Japanese, it would, it would be another tongue. Do you understand me? So it's interpreted. So as I'm praying in tongues, and then all of a sudden I hear the interpretation, and it becomes like a message. You see that? Have you ever experienced that? You're praying in tongues, and you begin to hear things. As I'm praying in tongues, sometimes as I'm praying in tongues, I see things. One time I was praying in tongues, and then I saw, I saw people handing out tickets, like movie tickets, on the streets. And then I saw on the movie ticket, it said, Life of Jesus. So I got an idea for outreach. I said, okay, we're going to get a big screen. We're going to show the Jesus movie. And then I mobilized people to pass out tickets. And we had 5,000 people over a year to come watch the film. And I would do an altar call after each film and had hundreds of people got saved. So I, I got that. It was like a, like a, just like a vision came to me while I was praying in tongues because I was praying for direction. Lord, give me ideas on how to win souls. All of a sudden, I see this happening like a movie played out in front of me and I knew exactly what to do. It was like a strategy. You'll get strategies for your business. You'll get strategies for your family while praying in tongues. The church needs to spend more time praying in tongues. Believers need to spend much more time praying in tongues. Paul said, I thank my God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. He's kind of boasting in a way. But the guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think we should listen to him. That means I got more revelation than all of you is what he's saying. So you want to have revelation, you pray in tongues. So the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire is not just an experience, but it's also something that allows you to start a process of walking in the Spirit because tongues is the gateway into the supernatural. Now the supernatural encounter has happened. Supernatural release has happened in your life. Now you have the ability to walk in the supernatural on a daily basis. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then it releases the river. 
Because sometimes you'll be praying in tongues and all of a sudden joy will bubble up. Because the same place tongues comes from is the same place joy comes from. They come from the same source. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly, tongues comes. Out of your belly, joy comes. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you speak in tongues here? Okay. All right. Start. Stop. See? You can start it and you can stop it. Because why? It's, it's yours now. It's become your prayer language. It's on the inside of you. You have a generator. You can turn it on and off. God's giving you the button. Start. Stop. There you go. Okay, now, joy. 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 <laughs> Tongues. Sometimes tongues and joy, you go, you go in and out of tongues, you go in, in out of tongues into joy, out of joy. They come from the same source, the river, out of your belly. Out of your innermost being, out of your spirit man, out of your spirit woman, comes out. Because that's where the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit and your spirit are connected. One, the Holy Ghost resides in your spirit. In the same house. Hallelujah. Another thing, another benefit of praying in tongues. It shuts off the mind. Pastor, I have a problem with my mind. Praying tongues shut off the mind. I think too much. Stop thinking. Start drinking. <laughs> Praying tongues to shut off the mind. Praying tongues to shut off the mind. I'm getting crazy thoughts. Praying in tongues. Praying tongues shut off the mind. Hallelujah. So the first benefit of tongues, supernatural means of direct communication with God. Second, speaking mysteries, divine secrets, hidden wisdom to receive revelation knowledge. The third is to edify your spirit, strengthen, build it up, charge it with power. The fourth is interpretation. The fifth releases the river. Sixth, shuts off the mind. And the seventh benefit of praying in tongues, submitting, helps you submit your will to the will of God. Helps you submit your will to the will of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. 
Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.